and welcome to episode 74 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to say goodbye to all of your new convention friends at the end of the day. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking all about Dice Tower West. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Just a couple quick announcements before we hop into the main episode. On today, the the day this episode is releasing, it is the last day to nominate board games and also board game podcasts for the Board Game Geek Golden Geek Awards. So we were very lucky and honored to be nominated last year for a Golden Geek Award. We did not win, but it was still really cool to be nominated. So if you would like to see our show in the nominees list again this year, uh, and you're listening to this episode on the day it releases, please head over to Board Game Geek. There is a link on the front page of BGG to get to the page where you can nominate. And you can nominate as many podcasts as you want, I believe. It says there's a 10 limit, but someone else was saying that that doesn't apply to the podcast part, only the board games part. So uh, make sure you nominate us and all of our other lovely podcast friends, uh, like those over in the Inside Voices Network and Punchboard Media and all of those friends. So we would appreciate it if you like our show, if you would nominate us. Also, now that Dice Tower West is over, we can look for future conventions that we're going to. One convention that I'm going to actually in a few weeks is Bay Area Tabletop Con also known as BATCON, B-A-T-T-CON, and that's the weekend of April 5th through 7th. Uh, My friend is hosting it here in the Bay Area, and so if you're around the area and want to come to a small open gaming convention, then check that out. (laughs) And that is kind of the the spiritual successor to BlitzCon that we've hosted the past couple of years. We weren't able to do a formal BlitzCon event this year, but um, the people who helped us with BlitzCon, who ran BlitzCon previously, are the ones running BatCon. So uh, basically, they have our seal of approval. They are good people, good friends, and they run a good event. So yeah, if you're in the Bay Area, definitely check it out. Yeah, I'm just not helping out as much behind the scenes anymore, Uh, but I'm still attending. (laughs) Hooray! And one last announcement. Uh, This is pretty exciting for me specifically because it is a first. As of right now, assuming everything goes to plan, both Ambi and I are going to be attending Gen Con in August. Yay! Ambi, you've been to Gen Con a handful of times, well, right? Like once. Oh, only well, once. Okay. Well, small I've, hand. <laughs> one small hand. I've never been to Gen Con. Um, we are going to be working in the Dice Tower booth. And so we are really looking forward to that, to being able to see and meet a whole bunch of people there. Obviously, um, we just, this kind of just came around. So the logistics still need to be worked out, but um, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So as Ambie said earlier, we just got back from Dice Tower West. We were planning on recording an episode at the convention, but things were a little bit busy and there really wasn't a great space for us to record at, nor did we have a lot of time to do (laughs) such a thing. So we are back home now and uh, we just wanted to kind of recap our experience at the convention and tell you all about it because, well, spoiler alert, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. I was actually feeling under the weather most of the con because I got sick the week before and was recovering from that. So um, I wasn't able to play as many games as I normally would. But I still got to play a lot of games and meet a lot of people. And that was a lot of fun. And like all the events that we did were really fun too. 
yeah, the we really I am just so thankful and grateful for all of the really lovely attendees that we got to meet. A lot of people came up to me and I'm sure Ambi you as well um, and said that they listened to the podcast or they watch our content on the Dice Tower and they were just very, very kind and gracious. And I know we've, we asked you all to do that and we appreciate that you did it because it makes me, it makes me feel really good. And it, it makes us know that what we're doing is meaningful. And I mean, we know that it's meaningful, but it's really, really nice to hear that from other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping I'm getting better at responding to you when you come up instead of just like me being in shock that someone knows who I am. <laughs> because that's I think, what used to happen. I think you're doing a great job. And I think people really enjoy your content specifically. Like, you're doing a really good job of diversifying some of the stuff that's on the Dice Tower. And I think that's really cool. And another cool thing that was part of the convention that actually was really like beneficial at least for me but I think the attendees especially we had a dedicated area where people could come and play games with people from the dice tower Mm -hmm. and I that was set up to be a benefit for the attendees specifically and I actually was kind of surprised to find that it was beneficial to me as well because I know that as a representative of the Dice Tower, that there will be at least a handful of people who would like to play a game with me. But I, mm-hmm. just wandering around the convention center, it's kind of hard to know who those people might be or what games yeah. they would want to play. And like, there's a little bit of pressure to like just wander around and sit down with random people. And having that dedicated area meant that people knew they could just approach us very easily and sit down and play a game with us. And it took a lot of the pressure off of them and us, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping that Tom keeps that uh, aspect of this convention and incorporates it into future Dice Tower events, the cruise, the regular con in uh, Florida and all of that. Yeah, and I really liked that area too. And I got to bring some games that weren't in the library, like some Oink games. And um, I also brought a couple train games, the quick, lighter train games that I have and got to teach some of those to some people. So that was cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I brought a couple of my Roll and Writes that I got from Mm -hmm. Germany. So I knew that it was less likely people had played those. And then I also, once I got it from the virtual flea market, I brought my copy of Pankatsu Factory, which uh, I talked about in an earlier episode of the podcast that I was trying to get a hold of once Suze talked about it on the Dice Tower podcast. And I got it. And I played it. And it's just as wonderful as I wanted it to be. So... (laughs) Uh, I hope that an American publisher eventually brings that one to the States. But it was released in Japan in 2014, so it's not like it's new. Um, but I have it now, so if you ever want to play a cool word game, hit me up because I will play it anytime. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I got to play it with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like a speed word game, like yeah. nine tiles mixed with words. <laughs> it's it's so funny how it makes your brain lock up in certain ways. Yeah. Like it's it's hard, but also easy at the same time. And I like those kinds of games. Mm-hmm. So, what games stuck out for you during the convention? Like which like what were the kind of shining moments? Whether that was new games that you were played for the first time, or even older games that just were really really fun at the con- convention. Uh, so I have a couple games. One, I got to play the four player Tokyo Highway. Oh, okay. I haven't played the four-player one. Yeah, so I had only played the two-player yet, and I got to play four players. It's very similar. There was one rule that I'm not sure if I just misread it in the two-player version, but when I had played before, uh, we just laid one road per turn, but then I read the rules in this one, and it says you keep laying until you place a car, which is different. So I I might have misread 
the rules the first time in the two-player version. But um, the four-player version also adds buildings, which you can you just put at the beginning and they block the way, which doesn't really change it that much. But like, what's the biggest change is that other people kind of steal the things you're going for because there's three more people before you go and they can take your points by going over other highways before you can. <laughs> is it kind of, is it way more chaotic with four people? Like, because the two player game isn't that dramatic. Like, it's kind of just like a little more like abstract strategy game. But I feel like with four people, it would be a little more crazy. Yeah, there, there's a lot more roads going on and... So I guess more chances to knock over things. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a lot of things got knocked over. It never got completely knocked over in our game, but like two or three things at a time got knocked over quite a few times. <laughs> cool. Um, were there any other big highlights for you? Yeah, the other highlight was playing Root, which you also played. <laughs> yes, I did. So one of our Patreon supporters, Mike, mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Mike. Um, he asked us if we would be interested in learning and playing Root with him. And Ambie and I said, sure. And truthfully, I honestly had no idea if I was going to like Root or not. Like I could yeah. see it going any number of ways. I'd heard a lot of good things, but you know, sometimes the games that everybody else likes are the ones that I'm like kind of meh about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know what you thought, Ambie, but uh, it was lovely. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I didn't expect to like it because usually I don't like area control type games. But this one, it didn't seem so bad because when people attacked me, I actually wanted p my pieces to get killed. So so I was like, yay, attack me. <laughs> yeah, so for those who aren't familiar, Root is an asymmetric game where you're all uh, woodland creatures battling for supremacy in the forest, basically. And yeah. it's the first player to hit 30 points who wins, and they trigger the end of the game immediately at that point. Like, it's just over. Mm -hmm. And all of the factions work very differently. And this, it's fascinating to me because... I talked to a bunch of people about it over the course of the weekend after we played it. I have heard Root described by different people as a war game, a Euro game, and for me personally, it felt like a 4X game, <laughs> just without the uh, explore aspect of a 4X. So I guess it would be a 3X game. I don't know if that exists. But... Like, multiple people describe it in different ways, and I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with the number of players, uh, what factions you're playing, the style of gamers you're playing with. But that's really neat that a mm -hmm. single game can lend itself to very different gaming experiences that lots of different people can enjoy. So, I mean, for all I know, the, just the specific factions and the specific people we had created a game that I just absolutely loved. And maybe it wouldn't be as good in a different combination or with different people. But I was honestly really, really impressed by Root. I think it is something really cool. And now I'm worried because I know the expansion <laughs> is coming to Kickstarter soon. And I kind of just want to back it and get the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to be buying it. But I think the faction that I played, which was the Eerie, the Birds is the one that I would enjoy the most. So I'm glad I played that one because the way they work is your kind of programming movement or like their actions. You place cards down each turn and then they stay there. And then the next turn you have to do the same actions, but it keeps piling on and on. And if you can't do it, then it goes into turmoil and it's really bad. So I was just planning ahead and I managed to make it so it never went into turmoil, which was really fun to try to like make sure that 
I could still do my actions. I know. And everybody was like waiting for that moment when you, <laughs> would get, you were going to go into turmoil. Um, and we were all just like, oh, no, but it never happened. And my faction was cool. I was playing the Woodland Alliance. And that faction specifically ramps up in a really like satisfying way. Like in mm-hmm. early in the game, I could do very little. Um, but as I did more things, it allowed me to do even more things and more and more. (laughs) And it was funny because the last, I think, two turns of the game, everyone started realizing like, oh no, (laughs) Crystal's doing a lot of stuff right now. (laughs) And I had built up my engine, so to speak, in a way that it made it pretty difficult to stop me. Yeah. So I ended up winning, which like really doesn't (laughs) affect my enjoyment of the game. I honestly, if I hadn't won, I still would have loved it, but... Uh, winning is also fun for the record (laughs) (laughs) so big shout out and thank you to mike and his friend drew for -hmm. teaching it to us and uh like i know it was they were funny they were like we we were worried that you were gonna not like it but then like lie and say you liked it anyway no we really mike and drew (laughs) we had an awesome time truly (laughs) yeah it was great um so yeah i'm i'm actually looking forward to playing it again if if i do get a copy i might try and get a game with uh some of my local game group people for that Yeah. And I actually wasn't really paying attention to what the other people were doing as much, which is part of why I wasn't like attacking other people. But um, I think I would probably like the Woodland people too, because I like the ramp up. Mine also had some ramp up, but I think the other ones weren't as much ramp up as as yours. Yeah. The the Vagabond definitely didn't feel as... But like the Vagabond could do cool stuff right from turn one, kind of mm-hmm. like they but they acted very differently than the other yeah. factions. And the so. cats started out like owning everything. So, yeah, the cats were everywhere. <laughs> like to begin with. Backwards ramp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of <laughs> backwards ramp. I like it. Uh, were there any other new games that you tried that were really impressive for you? Um, <laughs> yeah. So one of the play to win games is Echidna Shuffle. It's a children's game, and I, I'd seen this before at, like, vendor halls. It has little echidna, plastic echidnas, so it looks really cute. Uh, but it's basically a pick-up-and-deliver kids game, and it was surprisingly good because the echidnas are blocking each other, so you have to move one before you move the other, and, like, on your turn you can move so many echidnas, and and you, they just, you have to shuffle them along because they can't jump over each other, so they're echidna shuffle. But it was really cute, and... Kind of strategic for a kid's game. That's cool. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that one for kid's games. I should maybe buy that one for my nephew. I bet he would probably enjoy that. He's four now, so he can Mm -hmm. actually, you know, start playing games that have a little bit more strategy in them. So, yeah. Well, I've mentioned it a bunch of times in various places here on our podcast over on the Dice Tower. Uh, On the cruise, I wanted to play Wingspan, didn't get to because it was busy all the time. And at Dice Tower West, there were two copies of Wingspan in the Hot Games area all week. Uh, And I know at least one of those copies ran out of score sheets during the the convention. That's how much it was played. And it's not like they only had a few. It was a lot. But a ton of people also brought copies of Wingspan to the convention, knowing that people wanted to play it. And I got to play it twice. And it is just as lovely as everyone says it is. I'm so happy with that darn game. I was worried because, you know, when a game gets hyped up a whole bunch, Mm -hmm. you can kind of, like, get your expectations up too high. It is exactly what I wanted it to be. As far as Stonemaier games is concerned, it is definitely lighter than a lot of other Stonemaier games. 
but that it's like the perfect weight for me. Like it's really nice. It's got very simple actions you can take, but then when you take actions, depending on what birds you've put out on your board, they allow you to do additional actions and it kind of has that nice ramp up feel again too. Like your actions become more meaningful, but you get less of them in every round of the game. So you have to be more smart about how you divvy up your actions and the components are great. The artwork is beautiful. I love it so much. I know that the second printing is coming out in, I believe, April. And the third printing, which is already being made, is going to come out in May. So there are new copies of the game on their way in the near future. And I'm going to I'm gonna hold off and wait and get one eventually. But uh, I also got to play in one of the games with the upgraded resource tokens, which I believe are from MeepleSource, but I'm not 100% sure. One of the companies that, that does that a lot, I think it's MeepleSource is the one for this one. But yeah, like instead of little cardboard circular tokens for the resources, the little worms and berries and wheat, um, there's little wooden painted bits that mm. are all of those resources. So there's a little green worm and a little... <laughs> yellow piece of wheat and now that I've played with those I'm like oh well I don't I don't want to play with the cardboard tokens so I might have to get those as well but yeah wingspan gets my seal of approval for sure another one that I really liked that I have no idea if and when I'll ever be able to play it again I I'm not 100% sure of the correct name of this game it is from overseas I believe Japan and the BGG entry for it is called Desktop Hebocon Battle Kit. But on the box and rulebook in English, it says Crappy Robot Battles. <laughs> and it is the best. So if you took Patchwork and Robo Rally and you shoved them into one box and that game only took 15 minutes to play, <laughs> that is what this game is. I need it to was, play this. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was amazing. So you draft tiles that are polyominoes, um, you, just like you do in Patchwork from around a circle, but you pile them all up on your board in a stack. You don't get to like lay them out on your board as you go and you're building a computer circuit, but you stack them all up as you draft them. And then you get one minute to build your circuit board. And so you take all the tiles you drafted. And then this is the first time you're looking at them all together and you're going, oh no, I drafted all of the wrong tiles. They don't fit together (laughs) at all. And you build them as best you can. And then those tiles have action spaces on them. So after everyone's built their circuit boards, you have this tiny board in the middle of the table where your little like plastic robots are. And you put little like nuts like actual metal like nuts like bolts that kind of like you know like metal stuff on your (laughs) action board to show what actions you want to do and those actions can be moving your robot in different directions turning your circuit board to change the way your robot will move in future actions and then if your robot gets pushed off the board you're out of the game which happens really quickly (laughs) and then the last robot standing wins it's amazing (laughs) i was Very, very impressed. I have no idea how that game will ever be available or if it's available or if I can even order it. But Did did someone just have it at the convention? So um, Eric from What's Eric Playing, um, he had a friend there who I believe owns a game store. I apologize if I'm getting the details wrong. And he brought a lot of um, foreign games to show Eric. And I kind of hopped into one of those games. And that Mm -hmm. happened to be Crappy Robot Battles. And... I am just delighted that I got to try that game. Wow. I want to play it. (laughs) Yeah. So I tried a game that 
has been getting a lot of buzz in the board game community in the past recent months uh, because it is by a very well-known designer, uh, and that designer is Stefan Feld. So uh, I, I believe I talked in the past about how at BlitzCon last year I played Trajan, and that was my very first Feld game, and I have not played one since. It's not to say I was specifically avoiding <laughs> them, but that was my first, and I have now played my second, and that is Carpe Diem. And everybody asked me how I liked it. And I kept saying in a very sad voice that I really liked it. (laughs) Because (laughs) I don't want to encourage boring, dry themes in games. (laughs) Like, it is so boring looking and theme-wise. It's horribly boring. But the mechanics are really good. And I actually kind of liked it. <laughs> so <laughs> if somebody like me even likes it. But oh, man, the, the graphic design is horrific. I believe they're fixing it for the second edition. But like there's two different types of tiles that come out during the course of the game. And the backs of those tiles mean nothing during gameplay. One is like green and the other one is slightly darker green. And they're very, very hard to distinguish. So when you go to separate them out at the end of the game, it's really hard. Uh, On the fronts of the tiles, there's like brown buildings and gold buildings. And when you're looking from a distance, you're like, wait, is that one brown or gold? I can't tell. Oh, no. There's a whole bunch of that in this game. So that's problematic for a bunch of reasons. I believe they're addressing those. I don't know how well they're addressing them. But uh, yeah, I would say if you are interested in Carpe Diem, wait for a new new printing of it. Don't buy the first edition because of those issues specifically. But if you like Stefan Feld, I can't tell you if you'll like this or not because I don't have anything to compare it to. Uh, But I liked it. It was kind of neat. And I actually was going to play it again during the con. I wanted to teach it to my friend, but we got busy doing something else and I never got a chance to. So I, I'm, I'm a thematic gamer, and yes, I played Carpe Diem and liked it. <laughs> it's like a, a thematic, thematic gamer anonymous or no. I honestly, that's what it feels like for me when I say that I liked this game. Because I don't, I really, truly, truly want to see better stuff out of the board game community, mm-hmm. out of our publishers, out of our designers. I want, like, I want games like Wingspan. Wingspan is a Euro game. It is. Mm-hmm. It's truly a Euro game, but it's so much more interesting and engaging to play because of the theme. Mm-hmm. So more of that, please, everyone. <laughs> were there any any games that you played that were uh, disappointments or stuff that you didn't like? Because I know we, we do generally try to keep things positive, but occasionally we, we find a miss in the bunch of everything else. Yes. So there were a couple that were disappointments. One was Coaster Park, which is a roller coaster building game with marbles that they're supposed to like roll down the cardboard roller coasters that you build, but it doesn't really work well. <laughs> so it's, it, it was funny playing because we were trying to get these things working and then it just doesn't work. And that's why it was fun. Not because of the game. Like the game wasn't fun, but the brokenness of the game was yes. enjoyable. Yeah, laughing at other people failing because it, like the physics of it didn't work very well. Yeah, so that was Coaster Park. Yeah, I remember hearing about that when it came out. Like a bunch yeah. of people were excited and then tried it and went, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had heard that too. I, Toby was introducing it to someone else. He's like, oh, do you want to try Coaster Park? It's a game about building roller coasters and you roll a marble down and I heard it's terrible. i mean at least you're you're not setting the expectations expectations. yeah that's perfect (laughs) um and then another one was gen 7 which we tried to play but um we tried reading the rule book and it was not good 
(laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, like the first part of the rule book is just the list of components with like descriptions of the different parts of each card and stuff. And then it has like a rule summary that's not complete. And then it has a glossary. So you have to flip back and forth to actually get the rules. Oh, that's not fun. And yeah, so we like tried playing a turn and then we're like, okay, we don't want to (laughs) play. Yeah, I demoed that one at BGG Con. So I got to play like a couple of turns of like the first scenario. But I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but it wouldn't surprise me. I've heard that when the demoers set up the decks for those demo games, they set up very specific cards on those decks to come Mm -hmm. off. So they know what's coming and they make it so it's a pretty favorable experience for your first scenario. And I think it... Like, I had fun. I enjoyed my demo. But hearing that after the fact, I was like, oh, yeah, like, if those cards that had come up weren't as positive, like, maybe I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. I have heard that some people really do like the experience of playing through Gen 7, that there's an interesting Mm -hmm. story there, but that the mechanics aren't necessarily people's favorites in Mm -hmm. some regards. I'm still curious about it. I think for me... Because I like the Crossroads system so much that's used in that game and in Dead of Winter, I might pick it up at some point. Like if I see it on sale or on clearance, I'm definitely not buying it at retail price at this point. And mostly because I don't really have people dedicated to play it with right now. But Mm -hmm. I'm still vaguely interested, but only only a tiny bit. Yeah. I also thought it was a full cooperative game before, but from the rules, it seems like you're still like trying to get the most points individually. So yeah, it's really, it's weird because you're working towards goals collectively, but then your I don't remember what the word for it is, like your prestige or like whatever. Merit, like, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your merit like determines a lot of things. So people are working yeah. toward their own merit and then you get to like decide decisions and break ties and other things if you have the most merit. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not definitely not fully cooperative in that yeah. way. So that made me lose interest. <laughs> Well, there were a couple games that I tried that were not super great. Uh, One of those was Fantasy Realms, which was a card game from 2017 that someone pulled out and wanted to play with me. And it was a very simple game mechanically. You start with a hand of seven cards, and then on your turn, you draw a card and discard a card. Or it might be the other way around. You might discard and then draw. Regardless, uh, you can always either draw from the deck or from the cards that are face up on the table that other players have discarded. And all of the player or all of the cards combo with other cards in specific ways. Like if you have this card and also these other two cards, then you'll get a bunch of points at the end. Or if you have this card, it scores really high on its own, but it makes all of these other types of cards blank, meaning they score nothing at the end. Basically, it's trying to do a whole bunch of things at once and the game moves so quickly that you don't even really have a chance to build up anything meaningful at all. So very boring, very disappointing. Like I just, I was so forgettable. I was like, yeah, no, never (laughs) playing that again. The other one, which was such a bummer for me, I got to try Museum, which is, I believe, shipping to Kickstarter backers soon. It's a game about constructing an exhibit in a museum. It is a set collection game where you are picking up cards that are from different civilizations and different types of artifacts that you would show in a museum. And it was not great. (laughs) I was really looking forward to this one because, as I stated earlier, I like games with interesting themes, and this one is an interesting theme. The artwork is beautiful, but it's like way too 
much going on for how simple of a game it is because you're trying to specifically collect sets of like a specific civilization or a specific type of artifact. And then you're putting all of these cards onto your board and you want to put the cards that are the same types next to one another. So, but you need to do that in two different ways. So if I have dark green, I'll just use colors instead of the civilization names because it's easier. If I have dark green pottery, then I want those cards to be next to other dark green cards of other types and also pottery cards of other types. So when you lay your cards out on your board, you need things that are like to be touching. And admittedly, you can manipulate the cards anytime you want during the game. You can move them around in your museum. Even at the end of the game, you can rearrange everything. But there are 10 different colors of cards and five different types of artifacts. So A, while things are double-coded, they're not double coded in any like super visible way. So this is a colorblind friendly nightmare um, <laughs> because 10 different colors on these cards. Also the cards, when they're sitting on the board, while the board is really pretty, they just kind of get lost because there's, it's just so much going on. I don't know. It was just like, as we were playing, there was nothing about it that excited me. You know how like when you're just playing a game and you're like, this is fine. There's nothing mechanically horrible about it but it's just not impressive in any way that's what this was for me and I was really bummed because I wanted to like it so much and I hope other people enjoy it I know it's coming out to Kickstarter backers soon so if you are someone who backed it you know don't necessarily take my opinion at face value please I play it I hope you love it I I hope I genuinely hope everyone loves it more than I did is what I'm hoping (laughs) because it is it's a cool theme but yeah it was not not ideal (laughs) So that was museum. Oh, there was one other thing. I wanted to tell you a story, Ambie, that I didn't get to tell you yet. And I thought our listeners would enjoy this as well. So recently in our BGG guild, um, a thread got bumped from quite a while ago about um, a bad experience that I had playing Twilight Imperium 4, where one of the players was being unnecessarily aggressive toward me during the game. And it hindered my experience it like hampered my experience I wasn't having as good of a time and I didn't really speak up about it in the moment and uh, a lot of people were very upset about that story uh, because they felt bad for me and that was very kind of them and I so I really wanted to tell you this story so I was playing a game with three other people and I'm not going to name names and I'm not going to say what the game was I'm just going to kind of give the overarching details but basically the player that was to my right Um, during the course of the game, kept making small, somewhat innocuous comments directed toward me and toward no one else. And these were things like, and this was a space-themed game, and it was things like, oh, you're going to move your ship over here, like closer to me, or oh, that planet you just got looks really nice. Like, just kind of like little jabs here and there, but constant, and a lot of them. And even though all of the players were very near one another in this specific game, all of the comments were directed toward me and no one else, and the other players happened to be male. So I was starting to get a little bit frustrated by, because really, like, there was no reason for what he was doing. Like, it definitely wasn't, like, there. it was just, he was kind of being a jerk. So I thought about it in my head and I was like I could sit here and I could get mad about it or I could do the thing that I always wish I had done and actually speak up so I turned to him and I said and I was very calm and I wasn't you know like yelling or like angry but I said hey man I said you know like right after he made one of those comments I said 
you know, like you're only making those kinds of comments toward me. And he immediately went, well, your ships are right there and blah, blah. And he started to kind of like try and defend himself. And I, I gently cut him off. And I said, here's the deal. I said, those comments aren't adding anything to the game. They're not necessary. And you aren't saying anything like that to the other players, even though they're right there as well. And he paused and he got quiet and he stopped. I don't think he apologized. At least if he did, I don't remember it. But he, he quit the behavior. And the rest of the game was fine. And there, like, there was definitely a moment of awkwardness for everyone at the table, but it passed and we moved on and we continued playing the game and we were fine. And I was like, it's so funny because people might listen to this story and go, oh my gosh, Crystal, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But truthfully, I'm really excited about it because I did the thing, the thing that I always yeah. wish I would do. It gave me an opportunity to say, no, like I can actually speak up and try and fix this situation. Could it have gone badly? Absolutely. There's a chance that, you know, this person I don't know would have taken my comments very negatively and the game could have gone south. And I do recognize that. But I think I did the right thing and the outcome was great. So, yeah, so it sounds like that's I'm, good. I'm really proud of myself and I just wanted to tell people about it, especially because that TI4 thread got bumped recently. Yeah. And this was this was kind of similar. It definitely this gentleman wasn't I don't know why I'm calling him a gentleman, but like I'm trying to be polite. Uh, they, he wasn't as bad as the player in the TI4 game, but he was mm-hmm. it was more constant. It was like just little bitty like needles here and there, like all throughout the game. And I just got to the point where I was like, I just don't want to hear this anymore. It's not it's making the game worse for everybody. So mm-hmm. I did the thing and I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's good. It got him thinking about what he was saying, too. And because and, maybe it was like unconscious because sometimes people are just like that. Right? Know. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I do I do truly believe that there are men who make comments like that toward women and potentially really don't realize they're doing mm-hmm. it. So by me speaking up, hopefully maybe I helped another woman have a good experience with him later, theoretically. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yay. yeah. Ta-da. And of course, we played other games too, but we can't talk about all of them here. But if you want to know other games that we played, reach out to us on Twitter, post in our BGG Guild in the thread for this episode or wherever else. And if you were at Dice Tower West and you played a game with us and you said hi, you know, thank you so much. And if you didn't get to play a game with us, we're really sorry. We tried to play with, honestly, as many people as we could. And obviously, we can't play with everyone. But Dice Tower 2020... Dust Tower West 2020 is definitely <laughs> happening. It is February 26th through March 1st of 2020. So put that on your calendar now and plan to join us next year. And we'll also be at regular Dice Tower Con and Gen Con and yeah. possibly the Dice Tower Cruise between now and then too. So <laughs> we got a lot of stuff coming up, Bambi. Yep. Exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> and that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Tsukuyumi Full Moon Down hits Kickstarter on March 19th, so make sure you don't miss it. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Loving the show? Please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast provider, or become a patron. Patrons get access to unedited episodes, our private Slack channel, and more for as little as $1 a month. Head to Patreon.com slash BoardGameBlitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a part of the Dice Sour Network. Until next time, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Bye, everyone. Bye!
you draft tiles that are um, poly uh, <laughs> polyominoes. That is the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, also, my blanket's falling down, so I'm holding it up right now. <laughs> um, everything is falling. Okay, so. Um. Tsukuyumi Full Moon Down hits Kickstarter on March 19th. So make sure you don't miss it. Oh, <laughs> I thought the sentence kept going on. It, that was the end. <laughs> okay. It's alliteration puzzle time! In our last episode, we asked you to retheme a tree-growing game for animals who are pretending to be mythological birds. What game was that, Ambie? That was Phony Phoenix Photosynthesis. Woo! I hope some of you guessed that one right. That was definitely one of our harder ones that we've done recently, but I think this week is a little bit easier. This week, remember, the answer is going to be three words that all start with the same letter, and we are asking you to retheme an asymmetric game filled with woodland creatures for fast-moving hospital employees who read x-rays. Good luck, everyone! <laughs>